0: unique. Like, what's cool about your city? What's cool about where you're at in the area that, that your your school is located? And, and hone in on that. Like, don't try to be cookie cutter. Don't try to copy somebody else. Like, do what's unique to your school because that's what's going to set you apart and that's what is really going to resonate with recruits at the end of the day. Like, oh, when I went here, this is this is what's cool about Houston. This is what's cool about Rice. Do I really look like a guy with a For the first time in almost a month, welcome back, or welcome to the Up Close In Personnel podcast. I'm your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting with Rice University. Last time we talked, it was May 28th. We were just getting ready to get into the the June quiet period. We're finally back to in-person recruiting. It was the longest dead period in the modern recruiting era from March 13th, 2020, till June 1st, 2021. So this was the first episode to where, um, we're now actually doing recruiting stuff again. So, um, you know, this is episode 50. Um, I finally hit my 600 mile mark and running and it just feel like this is a good halfway point, good segue into kind of talking about the show from a big picture standpoint, really looking at, the ins and outs of what happened in the month of June for colleges across the country, and and to give you guys, the listeners of the show, a peek inside what, what my life was like the past month. Just hit a button, Morty, give me a
1: beat. Oh man, okay, all right. Um. When
0: it comes to kind of the, the context, and, and this is something that was really, really important to me when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about on this podcast, was just the, the real context of how unique the situation is. Taking a step back, this was one, like I said, the longest dead period in college football history. Two, you had the transfer portal in full swing with the one-time transfer rule going into effect. And in addition to that, you had the COVID eligibility waiver. So... Now, everybody from last year gets another year back, and we've talked about it on the show the number of restrictions on the 25 scholarship on you know trying to build your roster the right way through these adverse situations and the effects it's going to have on the 21 class, on the 22 class, on the 23 class, and so on and so forth. The trickle down effect, right? As we entered into this month, uh, that was one of the big kind of Factors that made it so hectic was because it felt like we were all trying to get back to normal and make up for lost time, for better words. So, I mean, I know multiple Power Five teams, you know, that I've talked to in the past week or two, where if they're not having a camp, they're having an unofficial visit. They're not having unofficial, they've got a weekend full of officials. Midweek official visits are happening because kids are trying to get everything in just in case there's potential of not having visit opportunities later if things get worse um, everybody just kind of wanted to maximize that time so that's what we're dealing with and just to kind of lay the ground rules of kind of what the calendar really looks like and what's going on you know quiet period uh, more or less you you can do recruiting on your campus um, and during this camp season we're allowed 10 days to go out and see other camps so um, it's it's a busy busy time for the full-time coaching staff where if they're not dealing with recruit on campus, they're going to a camp or they're working a camp here and at the same time trying to stay ingratiated with all their players and dealing with them and helping them grow in their off-season program as far as having a plan for what to study on film and what to prepare for as they gear up for, for fall camp because that's literally a month away for some teams. So that's going on, the quiet period. And we'll go dead again and we'll have like the last week or two of that july month to have a few more unofficial visits or official whatever you want to do with those um but when we get into august it's dead again and it's dead until um, obviously september one we can start to contact juniors 2023 class and really that kicks off what becomes the fall evaluation period which usually you're allowed 42 evaluations and what an evaluation is is when a coach goes to another school to evaluate a high school player um, or watch a game, it counts as an evaluation for that school, all the players there. Or if he's watching a game, it counts for both those schools, but it's one day because the coach is on the road. So if you said, hey, on my bye week, I'm gonna send you know, my 10 full-time coaches out on Friday night. Well, that's 10 days right there. It's not just one, it's 10 because each coach counts as a day. So um, mm-hmm. what the NCAA did to counteract all the lost time, they decided to change it from 42 evaluations to 56, which kind of seems arbitrary to me, but at the end of the day, it's closer and it helps us out. So really when, when we kind of even talk about that evaluation uh, and going back to the summer, the thing that, that gets overlooked is when we're, we're talking about all the missed time, right, and, and making up for lost time. Think about this. You have lost the spring evaluation process for the 22 class and the 23 class. We lost the, and this is going back to 2020, right? So 2020, March, we go dead. We lose the evaluation process. Then we lose the camp season. Then we lose going to see them live in games. Then we lose the contact period. All these you know opportunities to talk to high school coaches about these future players that you're trying to recruit. You lose that opportunity. Then you lose the chance to have them on your campus. And again, you lose another spring evaluation period. And we're finally at the point where after those six missed opportunities over the course of a year and a half, now we have to basically lock in all these commits. And and you're trying to lock in guys before their senior season starts because that's generally what people try to do. And Continuing on like the context side of it. I was talking to Bud Elliott with 24 seven and he's posted about this multiple times, but think about this in 2019, 597 recruits were making commitment decisions. Okay. In the month of June, 597 kids committed 2020, 676, a lot more. I mean, cause at that point, like we knew nothing was going to change now we're starting to see a slow trickle back and we're projecting about 400 to 450 kids committed, which is significantly less than those last two years in a row. Maybe kids are becoming more patient. Maybe, uh, you know, it, it's a, a matter of wanting to see more now that we can go see places. So, you know, that, that that's really a, an interesting thing to just keep note of is that one kids are, are, are not committing as fast. But two, I think the the flip side of going back to kind of the roster adversity and the roster issues, there's gonna be less scholarships. So what we've told people is like, hey, these offers are committable, but we only have limited spots. So first one in gets first dibs. So it's a, it's a tough proposition for recruits. Think about just making a decision whether it's sight unseen or on the first visit, which in the past never happened. We always talked about, and we've talked about this on the show multiple times. It's the second, it's the third, it's the fourth visit that puts you over the top. It's a it's a visit to a camp. It's a, it's a game day visit as a junior, junior day, that off season, coming for a spring practice. Then another maybe junior day type of event, you know, before your senior season kicks off. And you're like, okay, this is the place I want to be. That's what we're dealing with. Um, Probably it is so much easier when you have somebody to pinball ideas off of, but I'm really excited for this because it gives me a chance to really dive deep into all the things that go on in this month. So, um, like I was saying, you know, obviously there were a lot of things missed trying to make up for lost time. And there's these convergences of different factors that are changing the way teams build their rosters and we talked about the recruiting calendar just now and kind of what that looks like what the rules are and the thing that was really unique as i was recording that last podcast and getting ready to to ramp things up in june is that the ncaa came out with this thing called oce and it's been around i mean it's it's been used by basketball all the time it's called an on-campus evaluation typically when a kid comes on a visit, you do, the, you know, the whole nine yards of campus tour, meet academic people, spend time with your coaches, seeing the facilities, maybe, you know, go to a place to eat on campus. Those unofficial visits are kind of like all day, you know, VIP treatment. But for basketball, they can make it an on-campus evaluation. What they'll do is they'll just, you know, let guys go one-on-one or three-on-three, like open gym type of scenarios and work these guys out. And instead of having a full on camp and tons and tons and tons of people, you're just focused on the guys that really you're making decisions on for scholarships. And when they made the, the the change and said that we could start doing that, my whole mindset was like, all right, well I know I have very little numbers in this class. Let's just focus on OCEs and bring in the right guys that, we already have targeted. Let's work them out. Let's get those verified measurables. Let's see them one on one. Let's get that competition going, and and allow our staff to go, really rack up as many satellite camps as possible because we haven't seen that many guys um, nationally. You know, it, it's it's kind of easier to, to dig up the dirt on a lot of these guys locally and in the state of Texas for this 22 class, and even the 23s. But um, the chance to go out. And, and go see all these guys at other camps and gather as much information as possible from an identification standpoint was really the focus. Um, whereas for the 22 class, we're just trying to lock in and, and close in on guys. So um, that was the mindset. Then the NCAA started with, uh, when the NCAA was kind of a, a couple of factors, there was, there was different committees uh, coaching wise that, didn't want to lose the integrity of the camp process. And they knew that if the OCE was, you know, allowed to be just like a camp in a, in a sense, uh, that you would lose the, the desire by colleges. Like I was just talking about to even hold them in the first place. Like, why would you waste your time with those other than, you know, making money? Um, because now, instead of going to the camp to earn a scholarship, you're really going to the camp just to to camp and and learn from the coaching staff because the guys that they want, they'll invite to the on-campus evaluation. So long story short, uh, turned out uh, on-campus evaluations, it it really was a little bit more limited than what we were hoping for. So couldn't go one-on-one, it was one kid at a time, really served as testing, movement skill, and physical, physical testing numbers. So kind of treated it like a combine, get as much height, weight, wingspan, um, weight room measurements, um, movement patterns, all those sorts of things, flexibility, 40 times shuttles, three cones, all, all those different things that we talk about from a combine and, and a measurable standpoint helped us filter a lot of guys, helped us decide if guys were worth continuing to recruit or how we should recruit them. But camps ultimately held sway as we headed into June, that kind of changed my mindset and that happened literally the last week of May. Um, so we had originally planned to do a big OCE on the 10th and that was kind of what we were gearing up for and, um, just wasn't going to work out as, as, as we had hoped. So we started to peel back those numbers. Um, we got approval to do an official visit with our incoming signees, the 2021 class. And we were also kind of scheduling out unofficial visits. So as you can tell, like already you're starting to jumble, you know, juggle a lot of uh, moving pieces day to day.
1: So on one hand, um, I'm over here trying to close out my
0: 2021 class as far as getting them enrolled in the summer school, working with the academic people figuring out how we can schedule them out to go through all the medical testing with my medical staff on blood work, EKG, uh, physicals, what time that fits into their schedule, their first week on campus, because I'm their freshman orientation coordinator. And in addition to that, we're we're now getting approval to do an, an official visit. And so with that official visit, we, we're trying to make sure, OK, who's flying in, who's driving in, uh, what's the time frame? Uh, when do we want to start this? Who's going to be involved? Uh, who can be involved? Because the rice COVID policy was kind of changing very rapidly because things were starting to open back up. And you know, as we were given more direction, then I can make more plans. So it was very much like a a wait and see, touch and go, um, make a plan A, B, C, D, E, and then adjust whenever you get the news. So. I mean, we're we're like May 27th doing a Zoom call with parents and recruits from that 2021 class telling them, um, you know, report date, um, how we move in, what the plan's going to be, what the process is going to be. On the back end of that, I'm building out the official visit itinerary. And in the separate time that I have, I'm trying to prepare for our coaches going out on the road and the on-campus evaluation that we were planning for the 10th. So. Uh, we get into June, figure out the limitations of the OCE, um, start to work around that, focus on doing a, a camp junior day later in June and, um, start getting the unofficial visits start trickling in, um, and kind of to give everybody that listens to the show a little bit of a peek behind the curtain on, on what goes in to like what's required. Right. So Everybody's going to have their different COVID policies now, um, whether that's you know, vaccination status or a negative COVID test. So you, you've, you've got to, you know, abide by those rules, and you got to make sure that you're being safe on campus. Um, second, you always have to log everything in whatever recruiting database you use. So, like for us, we use Arms, and you just schedule it out, log it. You have a a printed out unofficial visit form that the recruit has to sign when they check in and. If you have multiple kids checking in, you just have a check-in page and then you attach the check-in sheet to the unofficial visit form. That's just kind of on the compliance side. Then you got to think about like, okay, what's the presentation? Like who's going to be the first person this, this kid sees? Like what's the plan? Like what are we focusing on? What's, what level of recruit is this? What all does he need to see? Do I need to give him a reason to come back? Is there a chance he comes back? If there's not, I need to throw the whole kitchen sink at him. What's the plan? So, those are conversations with the position coach, the coordinator, and a lot of times you're kind of just, you know, piecemealing it together yourself as a recruiting coordinator because you kind of know the flow of things and the timing. And as you're going through that, you've got to obviously reach out to different people. So, like, you know, just go into the weight room and just say, hey, Hans, can you talk to him? Hans Straub's our head strength coach. And uh, so, you figure out, okay, what's my strength coach's timeline? What, what, when is he available this day? When is academics available to say, are they available this day? Um, do we have time to get him with the head coach? Like what time would that be? When's the best time to talk ball? What does a kid like to eat? Like maybe that changes what I decide to take him to in rice village because it's within one mile of campus. Um, all those things kind of are, are, are swirling around in your head. You got to make sure that it matches up with the kid's timeline. So Say he's flying in, you know, the night before, I know I've got all morning and I just need to figure out what's his exit flight. What time he leaving? What time, what airport is he leaving from? Because that'll determine how early I need to shut this thing down. Like if he's in coming in from Bush, which is you know, 45 minutes north of our campus, um, that changes things from like hobby because hobby is going to be so fast. I mean, you're, you're in and out in 15, 20 minutes. Um, so those are some things to think about. And, and, uh, Cabo's coffee is really good, by the way, if they don't sponsor my show, but, um, uh, highly, highly recommend. Um, so anyways, that's kind of what, what goes back into unofficial visits and the kicker, the most important thing that from a presentation standpoint is the, uh, photo shoot, of course. Right. Uh, it's what everybody posts whenever they visit a school. And honestly, uh, our, our director of video did a phenomenal job of revamping our entire process for the photo shoot. He got, I mean, made his own kind of like rigged setup inside one of our position rooms where it's draped out all black. He's got multiple different light settings. Um, go blue, white, all these different kind of arrangements, um, smoked out. And on top of it, it, it is really cool thing where like, if there's a, a line, say for a, a junior day or, or an official visit, or you have multiple kids that are going at the same time, you have like this kind of waiting, like bay station where, um, the iPad is connected to the, the the iPad is connected to the camera and that iPad is projecting to a screen that the kids can see in real time what the photos are coming out like. It's a pretty sweet setup and it kind of builds a lot of anticipation, excitement, like as you're getting into, you know, your gear and getting ready to to go take your photos. So um, that's another aspect. So as we kind of are, are processing through those and gearing up for the official visit on the weekend and the OCE, which the OCE, you got to make sure you have copy of physical, a um, copy of insurance, and the different waivers that, that schools require. So what we require is going to be different than what AM and m um, or Tulane or whoever. Um, it's just school by school, um, how their medical staff approaches things and approaches workouts. But typically it's going to be like a a minor waiver, an acknowledgement, of risk waiver, those sorts of things. And uh, as we're getting ready, like you're right on the edge of just jumping off the cliff and starting to hit all these big events, uh, a big primetime player pops in the portal and I'm told by my head coach, hey, we got to make this happen. You got to fly him in tonight. We're going to do an official visit for the next, obviously, 48 hours is the... Time frame that you have, so that's where that's where when really we got rolling. When I'm told that, okay, my my mind's like, okay, where's he flying him from? Where's who are who's coming with him? Like, is he driving? Is he flying? Okay, he's flying. Okay, he's in Charlotte. Okay, mom and dad are over. You know where they where they live, so I need to fly them on separate planes. But okay mom isn't with dad right
1: now but she's going to fly home with him so now you got to go you know one-way flight in uh one-way flight
0: out round trip for the kid and those are just things that you just got to work through and obviously know how the expensing process works and um thankfully we have somebody in our office susan kraus who does a great job of working with our coaches on on expenses so um you got to know how she likes the stuff, you know, presented to her so that she can do her job effectively. And then as I'm starting to kind of get my wheels turning on official Mm -hmm. visit stuff, I go straight to my DFO Jerry Pickle. And he's the first guy that I go to with meals, wheels and, and lodging. So, I mean, he's, he's been doing it longer than I've been alive. He he was at Baylor before he has been at rice for a really long time. And, uh, So he just says, Hey, what, what hotels do we need? Um, what meals are we going to do? And, you know, usually, um, you have a bigger group, but when it's a smaller kind of one-off, it actually makes things a little more fun. A little, you can be a little more, uh, personal with it. So like maybe instead of going to bowling, now you go to top golf or maybe instead of, um, you know, a certain dinner spot, you pick something that maybe that kid is into. So, That's the benefit of being in Houston. I mean, you can just kind of go wherever your interests are. And so like this one, we, you know, we were going to go to Carabas, but unfortunately, the kid gets off this flight. It's a connecting. The person at the gate sent him the exact wrong direction, even though his connecting flight was literally next door. And so he missed his connecting flight. And so I was like, oh, great. This is a a good start. Um, So... Uh, he gets in late. We just tell him to, to pick up a meal on his own at, at the airport and what we can do as, as a university, we can comp that, uh, just because it, it counts for that meal. And it, and, and really it, it's an expense in his travel. So he gets here and that's when, you know, from a, a planning standpoint, okay, who's picking him up? What's he picking him up in? Um, do we have the rental? Are we letting him use a coach a rental car? Um, who's picking him up, who's going to be the first person that he, he interacts with, um, where are we taking him, when's the, the first interaction with the head coach, are they prepared for that. And, you know, th- those are kind of the things that, that go through your mind. And You know, for this one in particular, they're coming in so late. What we did instead of the dinner is we just did dessert at Coach Bloomgren's house because he's, he's right next to campus. Gives him a chance to have a one-on-one with the head coach and, and obviously meet the family. And it's kind of a, you know, a low key, low stress, you know, not going rushing to a, a restaurant at, you know, 9 PM and, and get him home early enough to, to where you can get some rest for what's going to be a long day. And as that's going on, I'm trying to plan out that freshman orientation week, because I'm starting to get all the times rolling in for physicals, blood work, um, Times to meet with academic people, times to meet with strength people, times to get them uh, dealing with parking, student ID, getting books, just kind of learning the lay of the land, understanding how uh, the, the travel works as far as like the, the bus stations and the bus routes. And and that's that's like kind of an overlooked thing. It's like these kids, half of them hadn't even seen campus before they, they got moved in. And so that was something that we really wanted to focus on with this 21 class is that like they got a truncated experience. We need to give them as much of a positive first impression as possible because, you know, there's, there's nothing guaranteed. I mean, everybody has a one-time transfer um, opportunity. And, you know, I want every single one of these kids that we brought in to be all in, to be so excited to be at Rice university, which they already are, but, not to take them for granted. And so as that's going on, we're going through the, the official visit. This one was really fun because we like went to breakfast club. Um, the Rustic is like an out outdoors um, kind of like cool, cool setting downtown. Um, usually we'll do a lot of things on Kirby Street because that's like close to, to Rice University and close to our team hotel. And um, so that that's kind of like where we live normally but this one was different obviously because it's just one kid and um, you did the campus tour get them with academic people um, had some time to where we we were trying to focus on getting information sent in for his application because um, you know we're we're buttoning up on on deadlines at this point so it's it's definitely a lot of moving pieces instead of it's a bowling like i said we can go like top golf and get your players involved Um, there's really two main ways Uh, you don't just bring your players over to top golf and and show them a good time and and buy them a dinner that's it's impermissible benefits what you can do is allow them to host so you have you know whoever whatever players that you think one would vibe well with, with the recruit you're bringing in but two represent your program in a way that's that's professional and like hey, this guy is an extension of our coaching staff. And that's really important to know who's really good at that. And not everybody is. It's, it's a hard thing to do. Um, you're basically uh, a recruiter at that point. Um, in addition to being a teammate and a friend, uh, potentially to you know the kid you're bringing in on the visit. Um, so that's one way. And then the second way is an occasional meal form. And, and what that is, is uh, allows them to to join you for a meal and, and, and that's, that's that. So whether it's an unofficial visit, when you want to get one of your players around a a recruit that you just brought in, um, you can't pay for the recruit, but if you put an occasional meal form, you can't pay for your player. Same thing goes on the official visits with those dinners, obviously with this one being a one-off one, make sure we had a couple players around. So, you know, put in a couple of occasional meal forms, then you have host. And you got yourself a party. So uh, had our players, some of our, our coaches um, go out for dinner, spend time with the recruit, and trying to make them feel welcome, try to make them feel home because it, it was definitely a last-minute uh, scenario, last-minute set, uh, setup. And it was fun. It turned out really well. The next day was was really about you – know, we had flown back to parents that night or that afternoon – because they both had work, but um, the, the the kid that we we tripped, he um, he stayed uh, for the full forty eight hours. Wound up spending a lot of time talking ball the next day with our OC and filling out a lot of application forms because we were coming up on on crunch time, and um, you know that all worked out. And that last day of the visit coincided with the on campus evaluation, so. Um, there was kind of a seamless, as he was leaving, more recruits are coming in, uh, go through that workout. And what was was critical that we had to do is instead of normally, um, you know, having people height and weight at the same time, stretch at the same time, you know, working in in bigger groups, you know, we had to kind of stagger start everything. So as soon as people are rolling in, you know, we're trickling them through uh, height and weight, wingspan, arm arm length all those different measurements that we do and spreading it and out and, and and really kind of creating a trickle effect to where you're still you know recognizing and, and following the rule that it's going to be one recruit uh participating in a drill at a time and what was said to us and, and what was communicated through the rule is that you have 60 minutes like 60 minutes that's it that includes the measurement side that includes stretching lines and that includes testing. So kind of worked out to being about 30 minutes of kind of testing and measurables and all those things. And then like 15 to 30 minutes on the field of just movement stuff wound up being, being a solid day. Um, got some names out of, out of the, out of the workout and really learned a lot about players that, you know, we just didn't have the information on beforehand. So that was a success. And then the next day we go straight into our official visit and that's a a whole different beast because usually we would break up our official visitors over the course of two to three weekends. And this was everybody all at once. Um, one of our, our scholarship freshmen, so it would have been 16, but one of them, he walked that Sunday. So we weren't able to fly him in, uh, with the rest of the group. And, uh, so one to be in fifteen didn't fly all of them, of course. You know, you know, it was thirteen of fifteen. Uh, drove in because those two were from Florida, and the rest of them drove in, um, which made life really easy on me from a, a travel standpoint. All you have to do at that point is um, do mileage reimbursement. So you get their home address, factor you know how how far the drive is down and back. Um, every single university has a different. Um, mileage reimbursement kind of dollar figure or, or amount that they pay and you know for us it's, it's direct deposit so basically they just sign a form that's that that says yes this is the address that i drove in from cool yes we drove that way and then it direct deposits it to the player's account um, because he's already got his direct deposit set up as a scholarship player what was really really cool when we did this was you know the first thing we did was moving them in. So uh, first time to see some of these guys was, you know, unloading, you know, Xboxes and, and PlayStation 5s and TVs or shoe boxes. I mean, you got boxes and boxes of shoes. Um, and you got families that, that you hadn't seen. in, you know, some cases, January 2020, when we had the junior day. We had about half of these guys here. Uh, but a lot of them, it was the first time we met them. And so that was really cool. And all of our coaches were on hand, um, you know, carting off all their stuff. And, and we had an awesome setup where, you know, Coach Pickle and, and Sydney Davis, who's the assistant the head coach for us, um, really the three of us kind of came up with a good game plan of when they, you know, come up, you know, COVID requirements, check, get your key, check, get your lanyard, check, go fill out any mileage reimbursement form and student housing form, check, get them a photo shoot with their their parents and family, um, just like a quick photo op with the coach, and start loading them up into their room. And it wound up being just a, a smooth, smooth transition. It was a lot of fun. And the thing that I was most impressed with was I had mentioned it to a lot of our hosts, the guys that were hosting the 15 guys that came in, and they turned around at the next workout and told the entire team, like, hey, our freshmen are moving in. Like, we need to go be good teammates and, and help them move in. Like, let's give them a good, warm welcome. And it was awesome. I mean, we had, like, 20 to 30 players helping these guys move in, grabbing boxes, uh, carrying stuff upstairs. And it was just, it was just a great time with a lot of com- camaraderie. And it felt like, you know, this team, you know, was excited to welcome in these new teammates so that was kind of the morning really spent you know most of the time that afternoon getting the staff prepared okay what are the rotations going to be like on saturday when you know all the the 15 guys are having to do photo shoots campus tour position meetings and other things that we normally do on like a a big visit day so um when it comes to that what we'll do is basically take the group so it's 15 guys. We broke it up into three groups of five. You get two to three group leaders per group. And usually you'll pick your GAs or QCs. And those guys, I have more time because they're in the building a lot more during this period where full-time coaches are going to satellite camps. Um, I'm able to spend a lot of time of coaching them up on, hey, this is when we transition. Hey, this is where you go. This is your next stop. This is what happens at X, Y, and Z. So they kind of take the lead and the full-time coaches just play the caboose and just push everybody along and make sure you don't lose any stragglers. Um, So I use that afternoon while kids are making target runs or setting up their beds or setting up their their video game setups or or what have you with their families. Um, We use that time to meet. So we're talking about, okay, this is what's going on Saturday. This is what's going on Sunday. These are the times that coach is gonna meet with these players. Boom. All right, let's go. So that night we go to Carabas. And you know, it's it's not as simple as just showing up, right? Like we called and, and kind of set that that meal up back in May when we knew we got approved for the for the visit and told them the kind of the projected headcount. But that obviously changes. So like as you get updates on your headcount number, okay what are the guests that are coming with them. Okay. You're allowed to pay for up to four family members or guests on the visit for meals, lodging, and entertainment. And so that, that winds up being a, a good setup because, you know, you can have mom, brother, sister, um, you know, sometimes that's that's grandma. And and that was that was what was really cool about all the in state kids that we had. Like you get to see grandma in some cases, or uncle, or, you know, all the siblings, and, um, it's just, it it makes it a good environment, you know, it's, it's comfortable for them, you know, the family gets, you know, excited, because they, they finally are kind of seeing their, their, uh, you know, their loved one go off and, 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 take that next step in life, and, um, so, full circle, uh, this, this dinner was, like, a ton of people, I mean, you're talking, over a hundred, including coaches and guests and all that stuff. So the minute people, I mean, we've got a a checked off area. Um, We've got a a seating kind of chart seating arrangement, but uh, all that doesn't mean anything unless when everybody steps into the room, you've got somebody directing traffic and telling them, Hey, this is where you sit. Hey, this is where you sit. And so like, there was one entrance and I'm at the front of it. I'm like, Hey, you go here, you're here, you're here, you're here, and it was just like a felt like a traffic coordinator at a at a God, what are they even called? Um for a for an airliner. You know what I mean? Like the guy with the batons and stuff. Air traffic controller. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I felt like. Sorry, I had a brain fart. This cat this cat has interrupted literally three times. Um and is about to jump on back again. No, Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there it is. No. So anyways, that, that was the Carabas dinner. Then we go to Saturday, and um, that's the day where we have a lot of, you know, presentations. And so we open with, you know, meeting our staff. Head coach talks about big picture things and, and the direction of the program, the vision he has for it. Um, show a couple highlight videos, um, Rice University videos. And we break off. And, and, and the way we kind of structure it is, you know, well, one group is doing photo shoots. Another group is meeting as a position group. And while that's going on for, you know, those two units, the other group is touring. So we'll f- tour the facility, of course, you know, go to the training room, see all the resources we have there. then we go on campus. And Daniel Clements and Sydney Ying and my recruiting staff, they do an awesome job of talking about, all the major hitting points of, of campus, guiding the tour, our GAs and QCs, and even our full-time coaches are knowledgeable enough to even do their own tours. Because the more people you have, the, the more side conversations, the more questions are asked and, and the more answered because that's really what it's about. We're, we're in the, the uh, question answering business, we're in the customer service business, and, and it's all about making these kids feel at home. That, that kind of goes on for really, it wound up being an hour per rotation and so that works you up to to lunchtime Um, we bring in lunch to the facility makes it nice and simple for us and then once lunch is done for the entertainment that day we go to uh, go do bowling and and that that's an awesome setup you know we've got bowling bocce ball and you know you get your players around them your hosts um, and, and it just creates this like competitive environment i know like teams like USC do it. Like we did it at UH, um, whether it's bowling, paintball, um, paintball is the one that I've seen seen lately. Um, I know that like USC did, uh, took them to SoFi field, which is pretty sweet in and of itself. I've seen, obviously we've talked about top golf. Um, there's just so many different things you can do. And I would, I would just kind of encourage people listening to the show is like be unique. Like What's cool about your city? What's cool about where you're at in the area that that your your school is located? And, and hone in on that. Like, don't try to be cookie cutter. Don't try to copy somebody else. Like, do what's unique to your school because that's what's going to set you apart. And that's what is really going to resonate with recruits at the end of the day. Like, oh, when I went here, this is this is what's cool about Houston. This is what's cool about Rice. So that's why we kind of try to stay on Kirby Street, try to stay in that area. Whereas like at Houston, we hit a lot of things downtown because it's closer, quite frankly. Um so you do you do the bowling, and I'm I'm totally rambling, but I'm I'm slowly making my way through that first weekend. And we go to the dinner, and dinner uh for, for us, what we do is we split up the parents and, and the the uh the recruits and <laughs> to to absolutely uh, point out my own flaws, um, we had like a slight, slight uh, miscalculation on the, uh, the head count. And it was totally a, a, a mistake that has just happened. In, in it And was, it was an honest mistake to where, because of the uniqueness of the players being moved into the dorms at this time. So they're not staying at the hotel, they're staying in their dorms. And the parents are staying at the hotel we had two separate bus groups, right? So there's one bus for the players and two buses for the families. Usually when we would separate the players and the parents for dinners, the, the siblings, and, and like the, the younger brother, younger sister, cousin, whoever it is on, on the visit, they would always want to go with the players. And so that kind of made me really kind of change my approach on how I count out who's going to the player dinner and so naturally I, I account for those people going to the player dinner instead of the parent dinner. So what happens? Well, here, here, it goes. <laughs> the siblings all, all showed up at the, uh, at the bus, you know, cause they're staying at the hotel as well. Uh, they just travel with the parents. And so what happened was we we're like 10 to 14 off on the count. They had to bring out a couple extra tables, It was smooth adjustment. They did an awesome job of, of adjusting to it. Sydney and and Coach Pickle and I'm over at the player dinner. Just like man, yep, I made that mistake. And and this is part of it. And you got to roll with the punches. Yeah, I I joked with one of our parents. was like, yeah, we weren't throwing a no hitter in this one. Uh, But you know, people. Really, it was it was a fun weekend because um, you know, Coach Pickle, Sydney. Daniel Clements, uh, Trey McGahey, another recruiting assistant of mine, Sydney, Sydney Ying. They just did a great job of always being ready when, you know, their number was called and everybody had a different role. So like Trey was kind of more on the, uh, form side and, and, and getting face sheets ready and preparing documents for me, uh, Daniel Clements and Sydney were doing a lot of the touring and the leading of groups. And Sydney and Jerry were just like problem solvers and and working with me on, um, whether it was meals, whether it was headcount, whether it was occasional meal forms, whether it was, um, coordinating times or or getting parents to and from places, uh, leading buses. It was just, it was all hands on deck, just operation. And like, we wouldn't have been able to get it off the ground if it wasn't for the, the GAs and QCs. Um, because those guys are making the airport runs. They're the ones that are uh, you know, leading the group rotations during those, those recruiting weekends. And that was just awesome to see. So um, heading to Sunday and the, the caveat with this is that now I'm moving in our walk-on freshmen because they're not allowed to, to be on that visit because we didn't want to trigger recruitment status. And just to kind of brush over that, it's, it's like, you know, if you, if you trip them, if you pay for their trip, they can't play for you in the fall unless you put them on scholarship. So even if they earn the opportunity to play, you wouldn't be able to play them if you don't have the scholarship number, which you don't want to do because then it counts as an initial until after their first year. So taking another step back, you have 25 scholarships per year that, that are counted as initial scholarships. 25 different than 85 we've talked about in previous episodes, like Johnny Kovach and Matt Lindsay and different people like that. But you want to get a freebie number by allowing those guys to develop their first year. Then you put them on scholarship after year one, when they establish residency and that just goes straight to the 85. If you have a spot versus going to your 25 to take away the number of high school kids and transfers, you can recruit for that current cycle. So that's how you maximize your roster. That's how you build it um, organically uh, through the process of like developing your players. So, anyways, we're moving in the walk-ons that that weekend uh, on on the Sunday, and so at breakfast, it's it's
1: really the the scholarship guys uh, kind of bringing in bring them in in, in different
0: waves, so that. Um, You know head coach meets with the guys that have to fly out first then the guys that have to drive the furthest and then we meet with the local guys a little bit later so that kind of works as like okay every 20 minutes we have a different one-on-one meeting with the family and the head coach it's like final questions like final concerns um are you comfortable and it's kind of a, a just a nice little tie in a bow on the whole deal and um so that finished And as each kid ended their meeting with the head coach, I'm sending them a screenshot of their next day and the next week's calendar for the freshman orientation that I'm going to be working with them. And it was bright and early for those guys. Like they, they went from being, you know, wined and dined, you know, Friday through Sunday to Monday morning. We're up at the, at the crack of dawn, 5.00 AM watching team run at 6.00 AM. And, uh it was like that every single day, and and it was it was a good experience for them to kind of see what the expectation was during those runs, um, what our strength staff is is asking those guys to do, the 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 demands, the intensity, and and so that kind of segued into the physical stuff that we talked about. That was Tuesday through Wednesday. Um, Thursday kind of turned into more of a expectations and like. What to how to approach being a student athlete at Rice? We had a couple of, of long term, like three, four year starters on our team talk to our our, our freshmen and, and just kind of give them a lay of the land of like, this is what's required, this is how you succeed, this is you know, this is what helped me succeed. Um, Jordan Myers and, and George Nyqual, multi year starters, you know, all conference type players, and just great dudes that, that just shot it to him straight and, and let him know kind of what the expectations are. And as that's going on, Friday and Saturday are big camp days. And Friday wound up being a, you know, 65 to 70 or so um, camp. And the, the unique part of what we had to do, kind of the, the, the juggling act that we had to do, was couldn't have more than 50 on one field at a time. And that, that was more of a, a Rice campus policy, but I know other schools in the country had the same kind of restrictions. So what we did was we basically had three different camps at the same day. Had a specialist group, we had a big O-line, D-line group, and we had a skill group. And naturally the skill group's bigger than everybody and it was less than 50, but you know, 40 plus. You know, the bigs, you're, you're pushing 20 or so. And kind of the same same setup with the, uh, the, the specialists, um, where you're, you know, 15 plus, you know, almost pushing 20, and uh, you know, start everybody together. Have a you know, head coach addresses everyone after they check in. Uh, recruiting presentation, introduce the staff, all those kind of things, and and then we break them off. So just like how we we did the previous weekend with the rotations, um, we did the rotations, but with the difference being there's now a a another. Two groups instead of just one, so we had the specialists do their camp and their workout on the grass field, and then the big guys went to the stadium turf. They did their on, you know on the field workout portion, while the skill guys are doing the rotations that we did the prior weekend. You know photo shoot, position meeting time, campus tour, those things in order and. That, that was a lot. I mean, there were a lot of moving pieces. Uh, again, like, couldn't do it without our, our recruiting staff and GAs and QCs. And, um, I would just encourage people that are, like, trying to map these things out. And, and you're a one-stop shop, right? Like, I'm completely intern-run in my recruiting department. They do a phenomenal job, but uh, you know, the buck stops with me. And, and I have to own every part of the business. If it doesn't go well, it's on me. If it goes well, it's because of the people around me um, that I'm, I'm delegating stuff out to and, and working alongside. And so that makes you have to think through, and I, I tell this to, to my recruiting staff, like, think about the transitions, think about the change time, think about the experience from the player's perspective. Once you can start to perspective shift, that allows you to really do a good job on the planning side problem solving before the problem occurs. So like when you break out of a room when, in, a, in a big group setting, okay, who's leaving first? Why are they leaving first? Okay. So like, for example, when we did the um, recruiting presentation of the three groups break out, the bigs, the specialists and the skill guys, the first group I sent out was the, uh, the specialists because they were going to do their measurements before the big guys, they're, they're not gonna have a position meeting time and they needed to get to the weight room. So they had the furthest travel, so we sent them out. They go to the weight room, do their measurement, come back, grab a boxed meal, and get ready for a campus tour that they're gonna join the next group with after their measurements. Second group we sent out were the defensive guys because defense meets as a unit after the recruiting presentation and they meet upstairs in one of our combined joined uh, position meeting rooms. So they leave, grab their lunch, go upstairs. And then as they're getting up the stairs, now that creates a space for the offensive guys to come out and grab their food and come back in the team meeting room for their unit meetings. So the only way you're able to do that is if like you know exactly where the next spot is and know kind of a, a flow like you you really got to be cognizant of not bottlenecking
1: in, in a, in a entryway or bottlenecking
0: as a group or not having direction like you got to know what the group is that's leaving who's leading that group and what the time frame is to get to the next spot um, so that's just like a, a quick side example and to piggyback off of that as those units were meeting as you know offense and defense now, you have a combination of a couple of different factors. You've got bigs and skill guys together, right? So we've got to separate those two again. And so when they're leaving, we send out the big guys first. And you have somebody who's leading that group to get them to the, to the weight room so that they can do their measurements. And then you have specific leaders for each of the different position groups and the skills that are going to go through the rotations in the building. So then those guys leave one by one as groups so that's just a little bit inside the mindset you got to have and the the last thing that that I wanted to make sure I, I hit on was just um, one of our coaches was joking with me at, at the end of the at the end of the weekend because we did the same thing on the Saturday I'm not gonna you know rehash the entire timeline of it but um, we did a, a scaled down version of that camp that we did friday did the same thing on saturday um he said are you going to text me during vacation and give me an anticipated or projected uh time change or or schedule change and what he was referring to was like every time we had a visit or an event i was going straight uh to the coaching staff text and saying hey anticipated time uh xyz or uh, we're 15 minutes ahead of schedule. I anticipate being on the field by 2.30. We'll start at blank. And that's the role that you have to play as, as a recruiting coordinator. You have to keep everybody aware of how the schedule is changing because the itinerary is, is a guideline, as as they say. It's not um, it's not the Bible because it changes uh, hourly. It changes from event to event because some things go faster than planned. Some things go longer than took uh or th- than you allotted and that's just part of the game and that's what makes it fun that's what makes it a challenge and i, I think i really hit on everything i kind of wanted to touch on um you have to be aware of all the people that are involved and you got to think in their perspective like i talked about earlier perspective shifting and that allows you to give them a heads up for things so that they can be prepared because uh, it does no good. If it's just, you know, a a schedule that adjusts for the coaching staff or a schedule that adjusts in your mind and and you're aware of what's going on. You have all the answers, but nobody else is, you know, hearing your thought process or, or understanding where you're at or where you're coming from. So like for me, what I do is I have my coaching staff text. I have different group leader text groups. So the people that are leading the, the mid, the combo guys for the skill group or the wide receivers and DBs from the skill group, I have a separate text thread for them. Or for the guys that are leading the bigs, like the O-line and D line leaders, I have a separate text for them. Recruiting people, like my staff, I have a separate group for them. And then for the different department heads, so operations, so Jerry Pickle, Sidney Davis, um, video department, Roger Hayhurst, Ryan Hay- Hayworth. Equipment, Chris Snell. Gary Falcon, medical side, we got three full-time trainers, Brad Kimball. Um, all of those different people are part of the rotations. So as soon as something happens, as soon as the, the change occurs with, where people are moving from station to station, I'm texting that group like five minutes ahead of time, hey, anticipated uh, switch at this time. or and, and when the switch actually happens, I'm texting them like, hey, we just moved that way people, you know, are welcoming them into the room instead of like being surprised or taken back, uh, opening the doors for them, offering you know, water, what have you. Um, it's just part of customer service, part of putting your best foot forward. And a big reason why as a recruiting person, like you've got to be a, a jack of all trades. Like you have to be able to communicate effectively. Uh, adjust on the fly and execute the plan that you obviously have to put a lot of time in to, to nail down and be prepared for all of the different, you know, side tracks, the, the different obstacles that might come up and, and just roll with the punches, roll with the flow and make it happen. Um, again, I will, I think I hit on everything. I really did. Um, I'm just amazed that like Bill Burr can do a podcast on his own week in and week out twice a week. It's amazing because I probably spent three days kind of mapping out what I wanted to talk about. And I, I still, I probably skipped over some stuff. Um, as always, please rate, like subscribe, share the show. Please, please continue to keep sharing it because this has been so much fun to bring Each and every one of you every week, um, except this past month, uh, it's been a lot of fun to record this and I'm excited about some of the people that I'm going to invite on during this break time. Um, we are on vacation until really, uh, Texas high school coaches association, which is actually little known fact, the largest coach association in country, um, because it has all Texas high school coaches, not just football, um awesome, awesome, uh, event that, that they do an amazing job of, um, organizing, getting great speakers and, and just connecting people. Um, it's a great opportunity for college coaches, um, to go to these, you know, high school coaching conventions because, you know, it's a, it's a networking opportunity for those schools that you're going to recruit. It's a networking opportunity for, um, high school coaches that are trying to make the jump and, you know, just good camaraderie. So that, that'll happen. Like I think it's July 18th is when we go out that way, we'll have a staff meeting over, over there. And, um, and yeah, let get to Florida, uh, enjoy some time away and, you know, I, I'll, I'll hit on, on some, uh, some important topics like, um, mental health wise and, and, and professional development wise and, and how to, how to plan
1: out your off season because, um, you know, it, it can be, it can be
0: a productive off season, but it, it also needs to be, um, a time where, where you actually do take a break. So like, for instance, for me, like the minute we kind of hit our last unofficial visit before we we took a step away, um, I probably played three hours of wee bowling with my wife's sister. So, um, you know, whether it's, you know, going to the pool, um, sitting out, getting some workouts in, catching up on old podcasts like this one, uh, whatever it is that you enjoy doing or, or like binge watching uh, movies. Like you gotta, you gotta spend like a day or two doing that. I mean You just have to, uh, because if you just watch football all day, uh, you might lose your mind. It uh, you might not. Um, I'm going to get back to it here pretty soon, but uh, that's something that we're going to touch on over the course of the next couple of weeks. And and something that I'm really looking forward to. So, as always, um, stay safe and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention before we closed out the one, the only, the sponsor of the up-close in-person podcast show, War Room. War Room is an all-in-one platform that will take your recruiting and team management to the next level. It's used by Power 5 teams, Group of 5 teams, all the way down to FCS high school level. Um, they have packages that can take your program to you know, new new heights as far as organization, whether it's, you know, roster management, board management, you know, profiles, what whatever you want to do from a, a database standpoint, War Room can get the job done for you. And, you know, if you want to find out more information, they've got free demos on com, or you can call Moose Bingham at 801-808-7754. The thing that's great about the product at the end of the day is that Moose, you know, has worked in a recruiting department before. Uh, they have people involved with their program that know what colleges look for. They know what it looks like. And that's that's what makes it so customizable. That's what makes it so user friendly. And I know plenty of people that are using it and they're just they're really happy with the end product because it's it's more focused on okay, what's the end goal? What are we trying to accomplish here? So warm.com, check it out. As always Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever. And let's have a great summer.